Hey, this is Colette Warren. You're listening to Valiant MC on the Vocal Podcast. 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 DJ was on, heading to the front, yeah, you know my weakness, just wanna hear my favorite song, all you gotta do is close your eyes, me in this.
What's up, everybody? Valiant MC here, and this is episode number four of the Vocal Podcast. That tune you just heard is called Rum and Ginger, and it was by this episode's special guest, Colette Warren, featuring Ben Soundscape, Roy Green, and Protone off of her Hidden Lines EP. And in my interview with Colette a little bit later, you're going to hear us talk about that EP. I've played tunes off the EP before on previous episodes. Definitely a quality release. tune that you hear in the background is actually by DJ6 out of Toronto, and it is an unreleased and I believe untitled tune. I could be wrong about that. When he sent it to me, uh, it was listed as version 4, and I believe the original project file is corrupted, so he can't really work on the tune anymore, but the tune is excellent. And uh, I knew I wanted to have it on my podcast in some capacity. I don't know, I might even do a spray out over it at some point. But it's real good, so big up to six. Those of you uh, wondering, that is number six IX. And he's had that name for a real long time, so don't get it twisted. Now, this episode took about two months to come out, as well as the next episode. I recorded interviews with Colette Warren and MC Track about a week apart at the end of February. And it is now approaching the end of April. Uh, My intention was to get it out by about mid-March at the latest. And then, you know, life just happened. Um, A lot of things in my life kind of happened all at the same time. I'm not going to bore you with the details. On top of that, there was a number of technical issues. Um, But I will say, (laughs) several of them were my fault. So when I was designating the correct inputs, let us just say that my idea of what the correct input was was not the correct one. And the sound came out more distorted than I wanted to, and I had to go in and do a lot of surgery to sort of uh, salvage the conversations so that they did not sound like you were talking to somebody through the McDonald's drive-thru. And I think I did okay. So... This episode is shorter than the previous few. Part of that is because the interview is not quite as long, and I don't have a second guest like I have in the previous two episodes. So we go for about, I don't know, roughly an hour and 45. I'm also feeling like I'm at a bit of a crossroads with the podcast. I'm feeling like maybe I want to shake it up a little bit, but I'm not exactly sure how. You know, aside from getting the sound quality better, (laughs) of course. Uh, But there's a lot of guests I still want to speak to. And as much as sometimes compiling the music and doing the roughly an hour of music before the interview is kind of a pain in the butt, uh, I really do enjoy it because I get to showcase some of the music from the artist. Um, I continue to showcase a little bit of my own music. 
always try to get uh, some older classic tracks in there and some older kind of deep cuts in there too. Uh, maybe that today's drum and bass audience might not be so familiar with if they're a little bit new to it. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so for now though, my apologies do go out to Colette Warren and to MC Track uh, for the delay in this. But I think the conversations are good and I think it's kind of worth the wait. And uh, it's not the kind of conversation that's super time sensitive. I mean, we do talk about Colette's EP, which came out at the end of 2018. Um, but other than that, we talk about stuff that really doesn't have an expiration date. And the same with MC Track. So I think uh, people will enjoy these, especially if they enjoy these artists. And I definitely encourage everybody to support these artists however you can, especially if you go to the label or the artist's band camp pages. Uh, it's always the best way. Up next, we got a tune by Inja and Whiny called Be My Cure. So keep it here, listen close, and enjoy. This is the vocal. I wanna find love in a place I can trust 
Balaclava off of Shy Effects' incredible Ragamuffin Sound Tape album featuring MC Spider and DWE. And this next one's called Blazin' by Tally off her 2004 album Lyric on My Lip. Here we go, this is the vocal. Stop the play. 
Coming in is from myself and Will Miles, and it is off my 2018 EP, The Ronin, and it is entitled Walking. And watch out for the Conrad Subs remix coming soon. We might even preview that in the next episode. We'll see. Here we go. This is the vocal.
possibility of our ability to turn it remains in the shadows of the future undetermined. Again, that was Walking by myself with Will Miles. And this next one coming in is another Will Miles production. It's definitely one of the best out there. You gotta check him out if you have not already. And this is with the immortal Robert Manos. And it's called Burner. This is the vocal. Let's go. Reflecting on that day. It's not easy, man. The deeper we swim. Tension every way. Come on. Too much tension every day. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Reflecting on that day. Too much tension every way. Keep coming back for more. I didn't learn a thing since last time. 
Next one coming in is another one from our guest, Colette Warren, alongside the legendary Skeptical. And this is the track that really kicked things off for her, and it's called Desire. So listen close. This is the vocal. Taking me high 
me Whispers in my ear But you can't break me Cause my faith is strong You can't take me Round and round we go Go, go, go Darkness all around But you can't have me Whispers in my ear of De La Soul's All Good. But listen close because he only uses the Shaka Khan vocal and he doesn't use the vocals from the rest of the group. You know, it's a great track, but I kind of would have liked to have heard De La Soul in there, but that's all right because Shaka Khan's my favorite singer, so we're going to let it go. This is the vocal. 
once again, that was the very slick Confucius bootleg of the Shaka Khan vocal from De La Soul's All Good. And this next one coming in is a bonafide classic, maybe top 10 all time. Jay Magic and Kathy Brown. Love is not a game. This is the vocal. Let's go. Broken English Gang Manchester for life, and you listen to Valiant MC on the vocal podcast. I don't see the point to only burn the minuscule. I'm smoking the joint and pissing in your swimming pool. Bonya, I got that halitosis attitude. Ranks with one by the slags or chatting. One man, barracuda, bad land texture. On your whole family, I'm not here if it vexes you. Running the pun in the mummy spit it, the pull of his life. Ranks with one by the slags or chatting. Ranks with one by the slags or chatting. 
I don't see the point to only burn the minuscule I'm smoking the joint and pissing in your swimming pool Bonya, I got that halitosis attitude Rags with one by the slags or chappy One man barracuda, bad land texture Run your whole family, I'm not here if it vex ya Running the pun in the mummy spitting the pull of his life Intellects, R.I.P. Chimpo, Fox, Rolla, Skittles, and Strategy, and it was the Anai remix. Na, Anai? Not sure how to say that. Up next, we got a slick tune from Patrol the Skies. It is by Noise Floor and Angel Stanford, and it's called My Heart. This is a great tune, so listen close. This is the vocal.
Them no no kin teeth Any sound disrespect we kick out them teeth Brand new dub plate <laughs> Can't delete Oh I'm to them Ragamuffin from them case this year Them no 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 fear no Hey my selector Here there and everywhere Who say? Any sound try to say I go beat it Name and them fame we delete it That means we crush them completely Bad boy and you know it's not no secret In this session we kill them so easy And you know I say yeah, that really please me Some boy try disrespect from what day And you know I say yeah, that really grieve me So we say lie, lie, lie You little son boy You don't disrespect and know you are gonna die That mean we give them about 10 pieces of leather Men don't know is how some sound going to manage When we check it out, yo, them soft like parade If I don't create school, we run the college Sound clash business, we have the knowledge Sound boy test them, get brain damage Men don't really know is how them going to manage Cause die, 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 you little sound boy You don't disrespect and know you are gonna die Die, 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 you little sound boy You should have never ever try Till we seek and we find them Big tune we have other top line them Top plate we use to remind them Them finna say a bad boy design them Seems like some of them lazy Sick in a them and them must be crazy Them the tune with them sound they are playing on a turn No time it don't phase it So we say die, 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 you little sound boy You don't disrespect and know you are gonna die If you do not have Shy FX's album, Ragamuffin Sound Tape, you need to get it. It is one of the best albums out there in a long time. That was the track Ragamuffin featuring Mr. Williams. And up next is our last track before the Colette Warren interview. It is with Colette Warren and it is by Utah Jazz, entitled Invisible Cities. Stay tuned for episode 5 to be coming in the next few days with MC Track. More big guests on the way to be announced shortly. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. This is The Vocal, and I am Valiant MC. Till next time.
Wait, what did you expect? It's an hour. <laughs> I, I mean, I am American, so, you know. Uh, but, yeah, well, there you go. Let's, uh, let's dig in a little bit. Um, what kind of uh, musical background did you have? But not only musical background as in, like, training or what you did personally, but what kind of stuff did you listen to, like, through, you know, like, high school and things like that? So, growing up, um, I was brought up around Motown and all that kind of stuff, soul, jazz. And my dad was a DJ, so he had all his seven inches and was playing out and, you know, listening to music at home all the time. So music's always been a part of my life. And I've got three older sisters and, and they all sing as well. So we all have all sang together and we always just do harmonies together. And so that's what it's always been such a thing in my life. And then when I got to high school, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I started listening to drum and bass from the age of 13. So, yeah, I mean, a couple of, two, three years into high school, I, I was in it. But before that, I get, you know, I was, I was a young girl. I was into pop music, wanted to be a spice girl, you know, all of that. Um, but I know one of my, what I really loved then and still love now is like 90s R&B. Oh, yeah. So like Envogue, TLC, you know, all that kind of stuff. Tevin Campbell, you know, Total, LL Cool J, all that, you know, all of that. That was my main music when I was like a young teenager, if you like. Right, right. Um, and I still love it now, to be honest. Like, I still always listen to the old tunes. But, um, but yeah, and then... I fell in love with drum and bass when I was 13. <laughs> it's crazy to me because I, you know, I was, um, I was 19 when I went to my first rave and that was in 94. It's interesting to me to hear about, um, people so young discovering dance music, but mm -hmm. it's different over here. You have to remember, it's like, there, it's different. And it got to America later. Well, not only did it not get to, it, it got to America later, but it's never taken here the way. No. The way it, it is over there. Like, yeah. electronic music is just part of the musical landscape in general. Whereas here, it's still yeah. very much a, I don't know, like a, a raver thing, you know? So, yeah. And it's a lot about EDM there, isn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, drum and bass was, was getting to the point where it looked like it was going to really blow up. And, mm -hmm. then, and then dubstep happened. So. Yeah. <laughs> kind of ruined everything. Um, I've been listening to drum and bass from a young age. Um, at what point did it occur to you that you wanted to start participating in, in it? Well, because I've always sang. And then when it was actually, because, you know, when the very early days of me listening, there wasn't that much vocal drum and bass around, to be honest. It was like, you know, there really wasn't much for me to be inspired by anyway. But then it was, it was actually when I heard the Easy Rollers um oh, yeah. and basically and it was the lady roller her singing on the track and i got and i bought their album on cd listened to it on my walkman and i was just i just fell in love with it. i was like i want to be her i want to do what she's doing like and that was it then and that, i think i was about i think it was about 15 then 15 16 or something i don't know but then i was i just but i didn't have any confidence as a singer even though i knew i could sing and knew that's what i wanted to do like i just didn't have the confidence and i was still just raving literally my life was going out raving every weekend somewhere in the country and getting on it basically you know getting smashed so <laughs> like i just that was what everything was about and i just didn't really have the confidence to think that i could do anything more but i did but i always wanted to 
And then it was when I was about 18, 19, maybe a bit older. Um, I was in at the Miami Winter Music Conference. I've become like quite good friends with MC Tarly. Oh, yeah. And we were all, ha- we were all hanging out there. And then we was in like, a hotel room getting ready. And I thought, I was just like singing, you know, but as you are, as you do when you're getting ready. And Tyler was like, Oh, I didn't know you could sing. And I was like, Oh, getting all like embarrassed. And she's like, No, you really can sing. And she's like, Look, you know, I'm starting this jazz band. Just wanted to, do you want to like be in one of the backing singers in it? And I was like, Yeah, I'd love to, you know, I thought, wow, what a great opportunity for me. So yeah, it was, and then obviously then I started doing that and started building up my confidence and everything. And, um, you know, doing gigs and realizing, you know, I can do this. And then after a couple of years of being a backing singer, I thought, right now it's my time. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you first started, did you ever try actually like emceeing at all, like in with your singing or was it, were you just str- strictly singing? No, 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 no. I mean, I'm just not an emcee and that's, that. <laughs> you know, like there's no, there was no point me ever trying because. You know, I never wanted to be an MC. I was a, like, I'm a singer and I'm a vocalist and that's all I wanted to be. So I never tried. And, you know, don't get me wrong, because I do host a lot of sets and you have to put a little bit of that hosting vibe in. But it, I, I don't like spit bars. <laughs> well, no, I, I think, I, you know, when I, when I say I'm seeing, I don't necessarily mean bars. I mean, you know, hosting or bars or whatever. You know, yeah, it's, I do it goes beyond your just singing. I do, I do host sets, but I do it like a mixture of hosting, but it's mainly sing. It's like 75 to 80% will be singing on the set. I don't really class, I just don't really class that as emceeing. You know, I class it as like hosting, I suppose. So your, your drum and bass career is sort of intrinsically linked with, with tallies. At that time, was Tally yeah. living in the UK or was she back in New Zealand? She was. Okay. She was living here, and um, yeah, she lived around the corner from me actually. So like, we both lived in London at the time, and yeah, we became good friends before that, and then obviously we became even better friends once I started working with her, and then when you know, and then she also taught me how to record my own vocals because when I started doing drum and bass songs and stuff with like produ- working producers. Like the I used to first take the backing track round to her house and be like, right, you need to record me because I don't know what I'm doing. So then she'd record for me and, you know, help me through it. Then she was like, moving back to New Zealand. I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? It's never got my vocals. And she was like, oh, well, I'll teach you how to. And it was actually quite easy, really. So, yeah, then she taught me how to use Pro Tools and all that. And, yeah, so she has really helped me a lot. And we're still, you know, best friends to this day, even though she lives on the other side of the world. <laughs> I always thought Tally kind of got the short end of the stick when it came oh, to yeah. credit within drone yeah. bass. I mean, she fucking she, she, oh, not only underrated, but she preceded MCs having their own albums and EPs by fucking years. I mean, when was her first album? Like oh three or oh four? And yeah, why do you think people slept on her like that? There's, I mean, there's there's clearly no debate of, regarding her skills. So, do you mm. think it is because she's a woman? Or because she was a woman at that time that she kind of got... I think a woman at that time, she was one of the very few at that time. If anything, like, there was hardly any MCs for a start and hardly any vocalists even, you know? Like, yeah, I think it was being a woman at that time. I think if it it was now, it would be different. I mean, she just had an album out. 
you know, and it, it did well, but I even, I still think it could have, it should have done better because of the quality of it. Oh yeah. You know? No, I agree. I, I said that in a couple of podcasts ago, I feel like it totally got slept on. It did pretty well, yeah. but you know, on a label like, well. on, but on a label like, like focus and everything, better, I think it should have been way bigger. It's such an amazing album. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I think it's, it's such a quality album. It's great. You know, she worked with great people on there and yeah, it's, it's tricky. Like as a woman in drum and bass to put out, an album or even an EP, you know, do, do, but what, you just got to keep going. <laughs> what kind of obstacles did you run into aside from having to gather together producers, which is like herding cats? Uh, what kind of obstacles did you run into when it came to your EP? Um, I think, yeah, just basically what you just said, it was the trying to get the producers for the EP because you know, I've been a featuring artist for years, and I, you know, someone asked me to do a tune, and I, and I like the tune, I'll do it. You know, regardless, never ask for money or anything. Like I'll always do it. But then when it's on the other foot, and you're asking producers for the tunes, like that, you kind of go to the bottom. Not, and I don't mean this is everyone, obviously, but a lot of people I asked that I wanted to work with on there, like I oh, you know, I've worked, you know, I've done stuff for you. Now it's your turn. <laughs> And you kind of go to the bottom of their priority list or they say they're too busy and it's kind of like, oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, you know, it's just kind of, it is, it's kind of disheartening, you know, but I ended up working with like amazing people that I really wanted on there and I was really happy with the results. So it all worked out well in the end, but I still had to wait a while when, even when they were like, yes, I'll do it. It was still like waiting because again, you know, of course they're going to put their stuff before mine you know because i rather than me being the featuring artist this time they are but that so that was the main obstacles really did you find any um resistance or any kind of negativity when it came out that you were releasing an ep on your own or anything like that no, i mean not at all actually i had not that i heard of anyone <laughs> yeah i mean i got nothing but good feedback and and positivity around it i didn't get any any negativity from it not as i said not that i so no i didn't it was really good really good um vibes around it you know right and i i, I asked that to, to kind of bring it back to tally for a sec I, I remember specifically when she put that album out there was a lot of resentment mm -hmm. against her for yeah, doing that a lot of people were really a lot of naysayers saying that she didn't deserve it which i i thought was strange yeah. um because but again i think it was the time oh no no question i, I think we're living in a different era but it's it's weird mm -hmm. because that wasn't that long ago like, <laughs> i remember actually the, the, how i met Tali was i was reading dj mag and she had this like interview in there and stuff and she was on the front cover and blah 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 and, and she was saying about all the bad press and negativity she's got and like me and my best friend, we just like reading it. We just felt really bad. It was like, oh, bless her. Like, you know, she's just a woman trying to do her thing. And so we actually wrote her a letter and she was coming to Birmingham to perform. And like, right, we'll give her this letter. And, and in the letter, we were just, we just wrote to her and was like, we just want to say, we're, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Ignore all the haters. Like, you know, we're just so thankful that you're here as a woman inspiring us, blah, blah. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then, like, we, when she was performing, like, tapped her and she, she took the letter and everything. And then it was only a few years later when we met her and she was, like, discovered that we were the ones that sent her the letter. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my God. And then, yeah, then we just became really good friends through that. So it's all because of the letter. <laughs> so you were a featured artist for a long time, a long time. And uh, you've got your own EP now. 
So are there plans at some point to work on a drum and bass album proper, or are you going to kind of stick to EPs and things like that for now? I'm actually like working on my second EP now. Okay. And the thing is like, cause originally I was going to do, when, when Marky approached me, he was like, Oh, I want you to do an album. This was like before. And then I was like, okay, but then we discussed and we just thought it's just going to take so long because you know what I was saying just about waiting for producers because obviously they're doing it for you so it just takes a bit longer so then we was like oh let's just do an EP because it's quicker and it did take me two years to do the, the last EP and that was only five tracks so Goodness. I can't imagine how long <laughs> I was like, I'm just like you know what let's just do another EP because then it also it seems to be that's what people are doing these days like you know obviously every now and then someone will come up with an amazing album but at the moment it does seem to be the EP culture you know, like everything is, everyone, everything wants things fast or shorter things. Like people get bored after like listening through an album and when they get to like eight or nine songs, they get bored, especially with a vocalist album because it's just the same voice on every song. And unfortunately, that's just the way the world is now. People get bored too easily. So I think EPs are kind of the way forward at the moment. Yeah, I've, I've been debating the album I've got coming out in the fall. I've been debating splitting into two because... I'm like, all right, do people really need 14 tracks, 16 tracks? I'm not well, really sure. Thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a number of guest vocalists on there. I make it a point to work with vocalists nice. all the time just because I don't want people, I don't want people to get tired of my voice. I get yeah, tired of my voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I had a couple of collab vocalists on my one as well. I just think it's nice and you get the harmonies and it just really does kind of spice it up, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But it is, it is interesting though, how, how the, the music economy has, has gone in a way back to the way things were sort of like in the fifties and sixties where people are buying singles or streaming singles or streaming EPs. Mm-hmm. It's like an album is not super necessary anymore. It's kind of becoming a lost art in a way. Um, exactly. so, so right now you're kind of content to keep things in short form. Does that apply equally yeah. to collect the dots? Yeah, I mean, we've collected the dots. Like the original idea was to do all the, you know, my drum and bass songs that I do live. It's a live band, so it's just a way, a different way of, you know, expressing all these songs that I've done. But now it's also, as well as that, we all write songs together as well. So it's not just the songs I've done in drum and bass. We kind of a mixture of those songs and songs as a band that we write together. And it's not just drum and bass, like funk and soul and jazz and yeah. All that, all that good stuff that we love. So tell me about the band. How long has it been around and what is kind of your tentative trajectory at the moment? Yeah, so with the band, it's just like, it's something I've always wanted to do. Like, it's all, all goes back to when I was in Tali's band. Like, you just can't be performing with a live band. Like, you just can't. It's my favorite thing to do. And I always thought one day I'm going to have my own band. And then when I moved to Bristol, I just thought, right, this is the time, because Bristol, I don't know if you've ever been here, but it's such a music hub. It feels like it's the music hub of the UK, in a way. Like, And and because it's smaller than London, it's just easier to kind of get a band together. So, yeah, put the band together. And I was lucky enough that there was a few drum and bass producers that can play musical instruments and wanted to be in the band. So it started off with Hugh Hardy from Hospital. And then I got Lurch. And then I got Octopi on the drums. Sorry, Lurch on the guitar, Octopi on the drums. 
And then Ben, Ben Sansago, who's also my boyfriend, <laughs> he's, um, plays the synths. And then we got a bass player who's not drum and bass related, but he likes drum and bass, so it's all good. <laughs> you know, I'm not thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be like the, you know, the next big band. This, for me, this, the band's more about fun and just have it and just enjoying myself with it. Like, I'm not expecting it to, you know, be headlining Glastonbury next year. <laughs> but, <laughs> Like, I'm just having, we're just having fun. It's just something, it's almost like a fun side thing for us to all do. And, you know, I get to live my dream of being the lead singer of a band. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if the opportunity arises to expand into other musical genres, other musical mm-hmm. genres that are decidedly not dance music, will you take them or are you really focusing more on the path Yeah, I'll right take now? them for sure. I mean, it depends what it was and, in what the circumstances were, but yeah, I mean, I love filling in um, on the Spice Girls tour. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's only four of them at the most. I, I know. <laughs> but I know. yeah, definitely. Like I've just actually done um, like a down tempo kind of hip hop track with Unglued for his album. So that was nice to do something different and something non drum and bass. Um, yeah, well, definitely, definitely, it's something I want to do in the future, you know. So I'm going to do this second drum and bass EP, and then see like where my head's at, and, and yeah, just try and explore other avenues and other genres. So your first track, what was the name of the track, and who produced it? The first drum and bass track I ever did. Yeah. So it was with FD. Okay. So I was singing at a wedding. And this is like the time, you know, when I thought I was confident enough to be able to perform on my own. And I was singing at a wedding and um, FD was at this wedding and we, we were friends anyway. But then at, then he like heard me sing, blah, blah. And he was just like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I didn't realize you could sing. Blah, blah. He was like, oh, do you want to do a drum and bass track with me? And I was like, yes, finally. Like, I finally got the opportunity that I've wanted for all these years. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah, he sent me this track. I basically recorded it with Tali and, you know, she helped me with it and everything. Um, yeah, and that was called Want You. And then Lensman, it went on Lensman and Rhea's podcast. And the rest is history. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, it never actually came out. Like, Metalheads were interested in it. I was like, oh my God, my first ever track might go on Metalheads. Like, Goldie really liked it. And it just, it just never ended up coming out. I don't know why, but it didn't. But yeah. So my first drum and bass track didn't actually come out, but, you know, <laughs> it was definitely um, put me kind of not on the map because it wasn't, we obviously didn't even come out, but it went on the podcast. So then other, so then Skeptical, for instance, heard it and that's when Skeptical approached me and that's when we did like Always Be Mine and Desire and, and Desire is the tune that put me on the map, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. So, and about when that track specifically, when did that track uh, come out? Desire. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. What year was that now? I think it was 2013. Okay. So you're still so kind of you're still kind of a tracks. newbie in this business, then. Yeah, <laughs> I'd done other tracks before that, but they like I feel like you know we like you, when you have that track that really not makes you. Cause I'm not gonna say yeah, that track made me man. But you know what I mean, like. But it breaks you. That yeah, was, for sure. Yeah, it break. That was the track that kind of broke me through. <laughs> but yeah, I'd had other tracks out before on kind of smaller labels and, you know, so that was like 2013. Yes, it wasn't even that long ago, really, if you think about it. 
like five years or something. So you uh, you are currently uh, involved with Ben's Soundscape romantically. And uh, I bring this up because I uh, was previously in a long-term relationship with a DJ. And me and her played as a pair for quite a while together. And I'm always interested in the dynamic of bands and musical musical acts Mm. in which Mm -hmm. there is a romantic relationship. And I wonder, does it ever make things tricky? If you have to work together, does it ever make things tricky if you have to critique each other? Or is that ever an issue with you? I think in the early days it was because, you know, and I think like now we've got to that point where it's not like that. Like when we get each other and we understand each other and, you know, if we have to critique each other, then we know it's from a good place. But in the early days, you know, we was new in the relationship and new working together. It was, you know, we would would take it personally rather than take it kind of as a good thing. Or say when we start doing playing out together and doing sets together like i would kind of get if he wasn't like playing my tunes and stuff but get a bit like stressed with him like don't forget this is meant to be showcasing me as well as you and we'd have like a little argument about it blah blah and but but you know that was a long time ago and now he understands that when we do sets together it's showcasing both of us so has to play a bunch of my tunes and obviously he's going to play loads of his tunes and you know, I'll be picking him up and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's a lot we're in a really good place now working together like we really understand how we both work and yeah it's really fun do you each find yourselves intentionally seeking to carve out your own space apart from each other so that you are not constantly linked with each other or again is that even an issue with you i mean you know i feel like we've got our own things going on as well like but definitely i know what you mean like we don't want to be like kind of pigeonholed to just be only booked together kind of thing just because we're a couple like you know i like to, to do pas where i'm just like showcasing like my tracks or whatever or work with other djs you know at nights and stuff but you know like i do i i work with other people more than i work with ben like tunes wise but i suppose i probably perform the most with ben because um yeah it's fun we get to go on like free holidays together <laughs> it's really you get to experience that together and on stage like we're just so connected and like you know when some you know when we're in the middle of you know our set and it's going really well and the crowd are getting crazy and you can look at each other and you're like yeah and after the set you can be really like happy together and you know it's just a really nice experience especially when you get to travel with it it's it's nice you know and i think at first, like as i said before years ago it was harder to do that but now we just enjoy it so, being a woman in drum and bass in 2019, mm-hmm. um, obviously very different than the experience that your mentor, Tally. By the way, if Tally is listening, you need to be on the oh, podcast. Oh, she will do. Hey, girl. <laughs> she, de- she definitely needs to be on the podcast. I've been trying to get if her for a while she's now. she's going to be talked about, she'll definitely be listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Tally, yeah, you get you got to get on here. Anyway, um the experience, obviously, that your mentor, so to speak, went through is very different from what you were going through. And there yeah, is sure. a renewed a renewed consciousness around the idea of women being in the business. Um, definitely a much more progressive attitude in general. Um, mm-hmm. So when it comes to drum and bass overall, and I don't just mean MCs or DJs necessarily, but also producers and promoters and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um do is the state of drum and bass music still primarily 
male driven and how much do you see women stepping into the field more into the future or is it do you think it's still going to be predominantly a guy thing i think one yes it's still predominantly male 100% and i don't see it changing that rapidly to be honest i think like there's definitely like so much more women now not just as working in the scene but as you know coming to the the raves and loving the music like there's it's so many more now but it is still like as far as DJs, producers, promoters, singers, MCs, it's still definitely like a hundred percent predominantly men. It's like you know, it's probably ninety-five percent men still, five percent women, and I, I think it's probably just always going to be like that because it's just the type of music that it is, you know. And pre- production, for instance, like it's just it just seems to be one of those male things because. Basically, you're sitting in your studio hours and hours and hours on end for days. And obviously, there are women out there doing it now and they're smashing it. You know, my good friend Kyrist, she's absolutely killing it out there. And her production level is ju- just as good as the men out there. But there's still not that many. And it just seems to be such a male thing to be locked themselves away for days making tunes. Whereas women, we just have a way more distractions. <laughs> What do you think could help yeah. could help change that going forward? I mean, I, you know, I look. I've been t- trying to talk about diversity with my guests uh, lately. I feel like drum and bass has, in the past ten years, become uh, become a little bit whitewashed, and it's also mm. m- like ma- remained steadfastly male. So I'm wondering what can be done in order to um, increase the amount of women. Uh, the amount of people of color, which is ironic because drum and mm, bass is, is mm. black music, coming into the scene and actually um, making a, a creative contribution. What, what what do you think needs to be done in order to encourage women to step forward? I think just more and more women like me and like everybody else, that's all the other amazing women that are working in the scene, just to be getting out there and keep going and keep putting on music out there to show other women you can do this. And, you know, if you want to do it, then please do it, you know, just to have people like us out there doing it. And to be honest, maybe more bookings of gigs. I think that's a big thing. Like it just even though there's loads of women out there doing vocals or making tunes or loads of female DJs are out there now, loads and they're all so good. But it's just getting the bookings and we they, we need the bookings at the gigs for the women in the audience to see us and see us up there and be inspired and think, oh, I want to do what she's doing. But unfortunately, the promoters are still a little bit kind of, you know, what's the word, like sceptical or scared even to book a woman. Don't get me wrong, we do get the bookings, but not as much as the men do. And that is still a problem. When it comes to women in drum and bass, is there... It, for being over here again, it's it's uh, it's difficult to see, but you know, drum bass obviously lives still predominantly in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. Is there is there a focus on image more when it comes to women in drum bass, or is that sort of starting to go away? Yeah, I think that's kind of starting to go away now. I think you know, if you think about all the women in drum and bass everyone looks completely different there isn't a particular style or a particular look that you have to look i mean i've been told many times oh you don't look like like we would to people that don't listen to drum and bass and people that do oh you don't look like a drum and bass vocalist and i'm just like 
Or what does one look like? Why don't I look like, like, why do I have to look like one? But what, even if I don't look like one, what does one look like? You know, so I have had that, those comments before, but you know, people are just small minded, aren't they? Is there anything okay. that you are thinking of doing besides your live band, of course, that is kind of outside the box when it comes to drum and bass? And I mean, stuff like, uh, all right. So track just put out, uh, a mixtape. And mm-hmm. when I say mixtape, and it's very much in like the, uh, obviously he comes from a hip hop background. So he, it took a completely different approach to the idea of doing a mix and did like a very hip hop style mixtape, even though it was all drum bass. Um, there are people doing sort of, uh, you know, multimedia type things. There are people putting out stuff on just USB drives and stuff like that. Have you thought about doing these kinds of things or are, do you feel like you've kind of gotten to a certain level that, don't need to right now does that oh, make sense i mean you always need to i don't think if anyone if you ever get to that point where you feel like you don't need to then you're a dick basically <laughs> like you've always you've always got to keep going you've always got to keep doing different things and keep growing you're never like a complete artist or you've never like finished what you're doing you know what i mean you've got to keep going and I, yeah i would definitely like to do some different things like i'm i'm part of this um collective called kcdc and it's me and three other girls. So there's me, Kyrist, who's a DJ and producer, Charlie Bricks, who's a vocalist, but she was also DJing now as well. And then there's a dubstep DJ called, and I was a bit good dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we've like started this little collective where we kind of put in on our own events. And, but also we came up with what we just, we had this like idea only last night, actually just me and Kirsty talking about it, where we do an, an EP together as the four of us. But then have it like on these little kind of credit card USB things. I don't know if you've seen them. DLR did it on his album. And um, yeah, rather than before we put it out there, you know, on Beep or whatever, we we sell them on these sticks, on these like credit card USB port sticks for like a fiver or whatever. I don't know, just to make it some, a little bit different. Yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a few D- producers doing that now. Like DJ Hybrid yeah. just just did a big run of those, and it seems yeah. popular. Um, like Marcus Visionary did one with a bunch of like unreleased stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the musical economy is changing quite a bit, and it seems like that's kind of the only way you can make money directly. That is not, say, like just doing Bandcamp, which seems yeah. like Bandcamp. It's it's great, but it just also seems like. Uh, if you're not at a certain level, your band camp is going to be overlooked no matter what you do. You know what I mean? It's, it seems like it yeah, has definitely. to be out there on those sales platforms. Um, definitely. and that's kind of, yeah, I think that that would be a great, I'd actually totally dig hearing an EP from the four of you. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah. we now, only literally spoke about it last night, so. <laughs> but yeah, this is it's just something to do something different and, but you know, yeah. So you I say you're, you're actually. doing nights together, correct? <laughs> Yeah, we are. We wanted to, like, you know what you're saying earlier about female promoters? Well, there, there really isn't that many out there, to be honest. So we kind of thought, again, as well as being females working in drum and bass as producers, as singers, as DJs, whatever, let's also put on nights ourselves and, you know, show women out there. If they want to, if they don't want to be a DJ or they don't want to be a singer or whatever, but they want to put nights on, but they're scared. They can look at us and think, oh, well, they're doing it. I can do this. So again, just about inspiring other women and, and bringing women through. Like we don't just have men on our, I mean, sorry, we don't just have women on our lineups, but we definitely 
have at least 50% of the lineup women. So it's just, you know, again, trying to push women forward and inspire young ladies. You've got uh, a night that intentionally pushes um, women. There are a lot of drawn-based artists and stuff like that who post uh, things on Instagram or Facebook that have a bit of a political bent to it. Um, I, I've asked a, a bunch of guests questions related to this. But, yeah. for instance, London Electricity will post um, political uh, posts a lot on Instagram. Uh, Cleveland Watkins does the same thing on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, and a lot of people actually give them uh, flack for it, saying that, mm. you know, polit- politics of any kind doesn't belong in music. Um, so what do you say to people who are, might be giving you flack for the idea of, uh, saying that, that pushing women like this is tokenism or, um, you're, it's kind of a political agenda or Mm. the naysayers for this kind of thing. So what do you say to them, um, in defense of what you're doing? Well, as I said, we're not just pushing women. Like we don't have all female lineups because we're not really into that because we don't feel like women should be, you know, separated from the men or it's like a novelty or we feel like we're just as good as the men in our own, you know, in our way. But when we, when we are putting a lineup on, we'll have men on the lineup as well. But also we want to push women through because they're not getting the recognition that they do deserve. But yeah, and if anyone wants to say anything, then fuck them. <laughs> are you the type that'll take on a troll or what? Yeah, well, actually, I say yeah, but I think the best thing to do with trolls is just ignore them, kill them with kindness, or just kill them with silence. There's just no point, like, rising to a troll. I mean, years ago, like, I used to, like, it bothered me, do you know what I mean? But it doesn't bother me, and I just don't care. Like, they're the ones sitting at home behind the computer not doing anything and not making anything of themselves, so they're the ones, really, that I feel sorry for. So... Uh, big, big subject change here. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. um, so the news came out, um, today that, that Keith Flint oh, from Prodigy died. And, uh, you know, it, it, again, it brings up, um, the discussion, which everyone wants to discuss it for like a day or two, and then nobody wants to discuss it. And that is, mm. uh, mental health. And we know that mental health and suicide and addiction has taken its toll. Uh, well, I mean, it's taken its toll everywhere. Um, but of course, publicly we see it in the creative community and it's, it's taken a number of drum and bass people out. Uh, it's taken a number of dance music people out, you know? Um, so what I'm wondering is, have you, or does anyone close to you, um, have you had any kind of struggles with mental illness or do you have any kind of insight as to this kind of thing? Because I think a lot of people are kind of just wondering what even to say at this point. The talking is such an important thing. Like no matter, and it, I think it's men mainly that struggle with the talking. Like women are a lot find it a lot easier to kind of open up and tell people what's going on inside their heads. But you know, men really, really struggle with it, which is why it's mainly men that commit suicide. And you know, it's like with Keith today. Like it just makes you think, God, you've got everyone would think you've got such an amazing life and you're happy, but you, you know, you just don't know what's going on inside someone's head. Why do you think it's so difficult to 
talk about stuff. I you you say that it's easier for women, but at the same time, women I think are more likely to have the notion in their head that maybe they are being a burden to the people around them. I think it's one a burden and two embarrassment because a lot of the stuff when it's you know when you've got things going on in your head that's not normal. You're embarrassed by it. You think people are going to think you're a freak. You think people are going to think you're a weirdo. This, that, and the other. You know. So I think that's why a lot of people just keep it to themselves. And yeah, the the burden thing. People, you know, think, oh, I know they've got their own stuff. I don't want them knowing that I'm going through this. I want them to think that I'm happy and this, that, and the other. Like social media is a, a massive thing where people are just constantly sharing photos of themselves oh look at me doing this doing it wrong i share loads of photos too you know positive things i never share stuff of me being down or whatever but it is one of it is a thing isn't it people people get down by watching people's social medias because they think oh god their life's amazing mine's shit and social media is a massive part to play in this mental health thing of the day of this day and age sorry how do you think that we can even really address the presence of social media in this kind of thing though. I mean, you know, if you look at addiction, we can absolutely put the blame on doctors for over prescribing opiates, you know, with social media, there is, it's definitely like this X factor that can't, it's very nebulous. So Mm. how can we even begin to address social media when it comes to this? I mean, I think like, our generation because we've experienced social like life before social media you know we're all right we're kind of like the last generation to have experienced both to experience life without it and life with it like the the younger generation they don't know any different it's really sad and scary actually that it's all they're gonna know you know i think i'm wrong i love i do love social media as well it's really, it really does help with my music and stuff and getting it out there but there's so many bad things about it as well and i just don't even know if there's anything we can do now about it because it's there and you know what that's going to do cancel the internet yeah <laughs> like cancel face people aren't going to cancel facebook and instagram and stuff because they make millions off it i know it's a it's a bizarre new reality that is for sure like i, I mean shoot i remember in high school in high school we had no internet of any kind and oh. so yeah and it was looking the, at the way that kids live out their lives and the way kids look at schoolwork and the way kids look at sort of interpersonal relationships is just so dramatically different that it's even though i have social media and even though i'm quite tech savvy Mm. it seems very alien it seems like an alien like landscape to me almost it's so i i wonder i it this is just me thinking out loud i really wonder like how many people especially younger people um are feeling lost in that reality, even though they don't know any different. You know what I mean? It's... I think loads. I think you'll be surprised. And they probably don't even realize they feel lost because of it. It's, it's scary, really. Yeah, it is. Um, when you were talking about raving when you were young and you'd be, you know, you'd just mm. be fucking off your face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now that we're grown adults and, uh, working in a professional capacity, obviously we are expected to live up to a higher standard when it comes to that sort of thing. Like, mm, you know, mm. we can't be too fucked up in front of people. But are, do yeah. you, do you run into, do you run into like bigger artists who are still just fucking hammered, wasted, whatever? Yeah, cool. Really? <laughs> yeah. But you know, they're holding it down. 
you know, I think that, I think that's the thing as well. You can still get wasted and still have a good time and be an artist, but you, you just got it's just about holding it down, isn't it? And if you can do that, then great. Like when I'm performing or before or whatever, I won't get wasted. I'll have like a couple of drinks, but that's it. But if I'm not performing, I'll get wasted. <laughs> 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 but again, holding it down, I'm not like falling on the floor and making a fall out of myself or anything. You know, I'm, I'm holding it down, hopefully. <laughs> but you know, I think like there's a time and a place, and like, you know, you gotta be, there's a time when you got to be professional. And be like, right, I'm, I've got a gig. I've got to be professional, blah, blah, blah. But then when you're not, like, why can't you just have a good time? I think promoters like it when, if they've booked you for a gig and stuff. I think they like it if you stick around and, and party and, you know, just kind of get to know them because I think they think, oh, you know, they've spent money and, and, and they want to kind of hang out with you and get to know you and stuff. So, and it's nice to get then. I always really like to go and meet the fans. Not <laughs> 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 I like to go and meet the people that have put you where you are kind of thing. You know, it's nice to, because when I was younger, well, I still get just when I meet people I love, but, you know, it was, I just used to love meeting, you know, the DJs and MCs and stuff. So, yeah. So as we're, uh, we're wrapping this up, a couple of things. Um, do you have anything coming up that you would like to plug or promote? Um, so I've got, Basically, well, obviously I just had the EP, but I've had, I've got, I've got a remixes single from the EP. So there's going to be two tracks from the EP remixed, and that's going to be a single on Inner Ground. So Polo and Bryson have done an absolutely amazing remix of One Exception. Like, it's, it's beautiful. Like, they've done such a good job. And Unglued is doing a remix of What You Do. So, oh, yeah, okay. I'm really excited. Excellent. <laughs> really excited for those to come out. And basically, I don't actually have to do anything because I've already done the vocals. So Yeah, remixes yeah. Are, nice, are nice like that, I know. <laughs> milking it, man. I'm milking it. <laughs> so I, I'm going to say, so they did a really good remix of, of One Exception. That, that's, that's some high praise because that track is already well, fantastic. That's, that's a fantastic I mean, track. I like, it was um, Harry Bryce, her, not Harry, sorry, Jack Polar, who got in touch with me and he was just like and the song is like I really really want to remix this it's like it's already perfection so you can't really get better than it but I'd like to give it a go and I was like yeah and I spoke about it with Marky and Marky's like yeah man let's give him a go but yeah the, it, it's basically it's just a completely different version so it's not like oh yeah that sounds not as good or that sounds better it's just a different version so it's not even about comparing they're just different and it's yeah it's they've done a really really beautiful take on it so i'm excited for everybody to hear i've already had a couple of messages from people because they've been opening their sets with it apparently so i've already had messages from oh i had the remake blah blah that's amazing so and when does that yeah, come out really, well we've got to wait for unglued to do his version his uh, remix of what you do okay so yeah we're hoping like the summertime really because it's a good time to get new music out there and you know all the festivals and stuff so yeah we're hoping you know by the summertime it will be out yeah i'm excited for people to hear the new versions so yeah i've got that and then i've been i've got I've been doing a few collabs with producers for their stuff i've got um, an album on an album i've got a song on filth's album 
I've got a song on Facing Jinx album. And yeah, I've just been working with a few other people really. And yeah, so just see what happens with those. And as I said, I'm working on my next EP now. That's probably going to take another couple of years. Oh, Jesus. But, um, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully, not. hopefully I'll get it wrapped up by the end of the year, you know, if not before. But, uh, yeah, that's it really. And just, yeah, back doing stuff with the band. I got a few gigs and coming over to America in the summer. So, yeah, I was going to ask you actually, are you planning to come over to North America? Yeah, so what's, what's going on with that? Yeah, probably not, probably for not as long as usual, just because I've got quite a lot going on this year. And, I just, you know, um, you know, I haven't got that much holiday and stuff, but I'll be coming over for a couple of weeks for sure and doing the usual, you know, New York, LA, San Diego, um, Texas. Yeah, well, whoever will take us. No, Toronto? Oh, I'd love to. I haven't been there yet, so you never know. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get whoever's doing bookings for you to get on the stick. You guys need yeah, to play I Toronto. Know. Oh my god, sort it out. But yeah, I'd love to come to Toronto. I've never been to Canada before, so I'll let you know. But okay. yeah, I really want to. I really want to go there. But definitely coming to America for a couple of weeks, do some gigs and stuff, and yeah, and then there'll be sun and bass and the usual, the usual year. <laughs> but yeah, see, that was perfect. That. that wasn't that wasn't difficult. Okay. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. I I appreciate your time. And uh, if I have any questions or whatever to follow up on, I'll I'll, uh, I'll hit you up on Instagram. All right, then. All right, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye.
patiently to see right through your eyes But after every minute, every hour, you're still telling lies Lies, yeah I had to hear terrible, horrible stories about the terrible, horrible Irish potato famine of the 18-somethings and how terrible it was. Let me tell you something. Millions of people died in the Irish potato famine. Millions of people. And why? Because there were no potatoes. <laughs> Are these the pickiest people in the world? <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, no. My belly's all bloated and distended. I'm dying. If only I had a potato. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Please make it rain, potatoes. I'm dying. Why don't you have some corn? I don't like corn. <laughs> Are you sure? You probably never even tried it. Oh, yes, I have. I've tried corn. Remember that wedding they had corn that time? Not my favorite. That's all I'll say. Well, you got to do something. Just eat some corn. See, I have a problem with textures. You know, some things feel weird in my mouth, and corn is just, ugh, it's just gross to me. I don't, ugh, forget it. Well, fine. Why don't you just go ahead and starve to death? Uh, yeah, that's what I was doing before you had to interview me for your book about corn. 
See, that was fun because it was like a little play. <laughs> For you fans of the theater. 